Hello. Where's his name, and you might ask? That's a great question. I've been wondering the same thing. Uh, he's looking for parking. In the meantime, I'm Kiss. You're listening to Ergo on WHPK, ErgoRadio.com. We're back here on the air. Very excited to uh, talk with our very special guest. And uh, hopefully Damon finds his way up to the WHPK studio. But first, as always, a few community announcements tonight. That's Thursday night at Chop Shop. Uh, Ergo alum episode one, Malcolm London, is headlining uh, the first show of his opiate tour. The openers for that, it's like a who's who of our friends and fam. Tasha, Femdot, Kaina, and the Burns Twins. It's going to be an amazing show. Tickets are still available. They're not insanely expensive. So definitely go through. Check that out tonight. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, future Ergo alums. It's something we're about to have up on here in the next few weeks. Uh, George Michael has his listening party for his project Soliloquy. It's tomorrow night at uh, Build Coffee, which is in the Experimental Station on 61st and Blackstone. Definitely make sure you go see uh, him in action there and hear the project. I've been listening to it. Uh, sent me sent us an early copy, and it's really good. I'm excited for the world to hear it. Um, next, on Saturday night, and it's going to be a busy weekend. On Saturday night, uh, the next edition of Hoodwazee, which is the live news show, talk show, and live podcast that I'm one of the producers for, hosted by Ricky Gamboa. There he is, his name. Yo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Hoodwazee, part two in Little Village, uh, Saturday night at the Open Center for the Arts. Um, really, you want to jump right in? Any community announcements you want to plug there, Dave? What's up, everybody? I'm t- <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> it's rough out here. Um, next Thursday... Mm-hmm. I will be performing at Refuge Live, Woo! part of the stage open mic performance series. You're gonna rap? I'm gonna do some rapping type things. Yes, I am indeed. Oh wow, this is a this is a big deal. It is. It actually really is. Yeah, I'm excited uh, yeah, for this. Yeah, so the people should come. Absolutely. Um, also, I don't know. Did you talk about Mayday? Not yet. I was All gonna right. leave it for you to talk about breathlessly. Find your <laughs> find your center. We'll do some breathing exercises. So yes. We've been talking about it here week to week for all those who've been following us. This May 1st, every May 1st is May Day, an international labor holiday. This year, the R3 Coalition, Resist, Reimagine, Rebuild, which is centering anti-racism, xenophobia, immigration and deportation, but also labor and education, uh, are making sure that we are having these conversations about economic justice and racial justice at the same time. So there will be a feeder march into the big march. So at 11 a.m., we want everybody to be at the Juvenile Detention Center, Ogden and Roosevelt, Chicago or Cook County has the largest juvenile detention center in the country. It's 99% youth of color. It is an impressive place. Next door to it, actually, this is not part of the announcement. We're just talking now. Yeah, no. Next door to it, they just opened up, a, uh, I think it's called the THC Center. They're, they're selling weed next door to the Juvenile Detention Center where they've been locking up kids for having three fives in their locker for, for years. So... This city is, you know, the greatest <laughs> example of inequality and oppression. If if that we, shit, we don't even need metaphors you know, anymore. Forget that, metaphors. It's like literally next door. If that shit speaks to you, come on out, rock with the people. On some like we're gonna call it the red line type shit. You know, like yeah, they, they it's very very literal here in Chicago. So we are part of this is also part of a national day of action with the Beyond the Moment uh, Coalition, which is an offshoot of the Movement for Black Lives, developing a united front. So this is an important day. Chicago has an important position in this formation. So come on out if you're trying to get involved. 11 a.m. And then lastly, uh, we have that wasn't it. Oh man, no, we got two more. All two. Right. We actually I'm, have two. I'm take air- the sweater off. Get and- comfortable. 
We have two Ergo gigs coming up. Oh, in yeah. The next couple weeks. Cut We're, the check. Cut the check. It's officially now the Ergo Presents Cut the Check Tour. Uh, this is we're, we're making all kinds of flyers and posts. It's going to be great. Uh, we're going to be at Oberlin College on actually on May 1st uh, with incredible musicians. I'm so excited to hit the road with them. Uh, Kenya and Rick Wilson. It's going to be an amazing Legends. show. So if you're in the Ohio area, the general... Oberlin <laughs> metropolitan area come through <laughs> and then later that week i believe on wednesday the third we're going to be at the alma mater grinnell college giving a talk and a workshop check it out so you can find all that info on our website also if you think you'd like to bring us to your campus we will be happy to come and we'll even bring some amazing artists with you with us to you <laughs> now all of that said i'm really excited to have our guest up here today he uh i've been it's just been nice having a little a minute before we got on the air to kind of yeah. chop it up. I think this is going to be a really fun one. He's a musician and I'm, a producer. I missed out on the chop up. Yeah, no, we just <laughs> <laughs> we just talked shit about you. Yeah. Uh, Thaddeus Tooks is here. How you doing? Bah, 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 bah. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. We always me. like to start, as I am breathless, we always <laughs> like to start with how is the world treating you and how are you treating the mm. world in this time? Mm. The world is treating me very very well That's very good. good very well it don't matter but yeah, I, I yeah. believe it's well it's yeah paper. this is right, the right. no grammar zone right <laughs> i should know we this. got beef with grammar, Fuck you, grammar. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah life is good i i i'd like to think that i'm also treating the world well i am uh trying to put as many good vibes into the oh, world oh, as oh, possible oh, 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 Brandon. you know, you know? <laughs> so um life is good right now i check, can't check i can't complain out. i got a water gross. for you Oh, we, we come with gifts. Appreciate you. <laughs> you as well, sir. Thank you. All right, very much. All right let's, let's get this show on the road. So, <laughs> like I said, I, I'm excited to have you here. I think, you know, we, we've talked like a lot about, you know, the whole premise of the show is the how the creative community in the city and the folks pushing uh, world changing social movement are intersected and basically the same people, right? Right. And I think. As we talk about lineage um, and understanding, like, where are the moments that we're building on, looking at how the jazz community, specifically in Chicago, but then across the country, mm-hmm. has been, like, that is our closest historical precedent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I was talking with you about this before we went on, like, way back in 2012, I guess it was, when we were in college, I interviewed Nico Segal. Mm-hmm. That's the homie, I know shout is, out. Is, 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 yeah, you know, I will get into that right. relationship for sure. <laughs> Um, but he talked about, I was like, so how would you describe the community in Chicago? He was like, we are the jazz musicians. We are the jazz community of the city. Right. It's the same thing, whether we're playing stuff that like formally gets branded as jazz right. uh, or not. Like for you, both as a scholar, and we'll talk about that, you're good, as a scholar and as a musician, like how do you understand what it means to be a jazz community? What What was different about that from... Like, like, what does that mean to you, basically? I think it's interesting, um, and I would agree that, like, I think a lot of the jazz musicians, definitely, you know, young students of jazz, uh, and specifically my generation, um, kind of have taken what we know and have learned from studying jazz and the history of jazz and the people of jazz and the culture of jazz um, and have found ways to uh, not only... Uh, further the scope of what you know the genre or I like to say lifestyle known mm-hmm. as jazz is but also move into different genres of music and and blend and innovate and create new things yeah. uh 
What's interesting is I think historically that's what all jazz musicians have done. <laughs> once you look from like swing to bebop yeah. to post bop to hard bop, yeah, and then remixing you're getting, it every step. Yeah, right. they're kind of taking what has already been done so and bopping with D-Lo. they're kind of taking what's already been done and uh, found new ways to kind of uh, reimagine it or contextualize it for whatever struggle really especially when you look at the free jazz movement like that was all a really uh, uh, a time period centered around rebellion and going against what was expected of them as Mm. jazz musicians um, and adapting it for the needs of the time and to tell their own story so I think it's interesting now that in the jazz community, probably because we've had so much time of jazz, you know, since its beginning, um, that there is very much of like, you know, kind of a purist, conservatist. And then you have the really, you know, progressive trying to create a new and then you have those people that are kind of playing both. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, I think uh, jazz has to constantly be presented in new ways because that's what it was in the first place now i do think there has to be some sort of historical accuracy like it should as you said follow a lineage right Mm -hmm. if you have never heard of joe henderson i don't know if i can trust your knowledge on the history of jazz but there are like 150 people Googling off the podcast. Exactly, right? <laughs> but I do think... I bet y'all will by the Right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I do think it is important for young jazz musicians and, you know, older jazz musicians too to constantly be finding new ways to tell their story. So I, I have a question that is going to end being all about you. Okay. But I'm going to start talking about me. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just to position myself in it. Um, so, yeah, I think I've had a, a real, like, I guess I would call it intellectual love of jazz mm-hmm. over the last four or five years. I may not, like, spend as much time listening to it as I would like to come off as. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, but it, came, it came from me of, like, always knowing that in some way I wanted to study and analyze and document hip-hop, right? Mm-hmm. But realizing I was limited in, like, my language of music. Mm-hmm. And so I, I took a jazz course to, like, mm. how do I talk about melody? You know, how do I, how do I, these things that I'm hearing as I'm trying to talk about the content, how mm-hmm. do I tie it to his musical roots um, in the way that I was learning to do for poetry, right? Right, um, right. So I know how to talk about the I am and right. line patterns, but I don't know how to talk about that sounded good. Right. <laughs> um, and so in st- taking this jazz course at, at our alma mater, I'm not going to shout them out no more. They get, <laughs> they, get, they get one name. Got the check. They get one list per, per episode. Um, I took a jazz course from a black dude he was he was all right yeah. uh but <laughs> but what i i learned in basically what we're saying right is that um hip-hop is all american oh, music right but is directly the it's like the grandchild yeah of jazz it's, it's not like a a separate like what is happening in hip-hop right. happened in jazz both socially but also musically right um and that kind of like like opened my eyes to yeah. all of american culture as i was trying to enter from the hip-hop lens so my question mm-hmm. is, <laughs> as someone who was really like, I felt like I was late to the game. I was mm-hmm. already nineteen, twenty. Um, what was your entry point? How did you mm-hmm. have access? Because uh, I think jazz has been really like whitewashed and mm-hmm. become an elite type for of sure. thing. It feels like it feels like this has been a lifelong thing for you. <laughs> uh, and well, so, what was your entry point? Actually, so I started off uh, studying classical music. Well. Classical music and then playing in the church, right? Oh. Um, but I studied at the the CSO 
has a percussion scholarship program. What's the CSO Chicago program? Symphony Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of those who didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's crazy. I almost was in that, but then I was oh. like, my teacher was like, sat down, like, this is the time you have to do it. Yeah, it, it was, was like, real, bro. and it was the time that like Smart Guy and Boy Meets World came ah! on Disney Channel. <laughs> And then also the time I like to play basketball, I was like, that means I would never be able to watch nah. TV or go play You're basketball. You're like, sorry, I'm booked at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got, <laughs> calendar's all full. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was it was intense. Like every day I, I'm coming home from school and I had to practice, you know, like two, three hours a day. It was real. And then Saturdays, it was out the question. Like, But anyway, I studied classical music um, for a very long time. And then in around sixth grade, I always tell this story and it's real. In sixth grade, I was at my great grandmother's house and I was snooping through her stuff. Mm -hmm. And I found a Lionel Hampton record. Lionel Hampton is a jazz vibraphone. It's still my favorite to this day. Probably, would you say like the most famous vibraphonist? It depends on who you're talking to. I think in terms of like the general public, uh, it would be like Roy Ayers is number mm-hmm. one, yeah, yeah. then Lionel Hampton. If you're talking about the jazz community, I think most people would default to Milt Jackson, to be honest. Right. Um, Thank you for being honest. Yeah. <laughs> Google these people. Right. Google these people. They're people you definitely <laughs> want to listen to, or you can check out my album and I tribute them all on hey, there. Hey, um, right. Organic so, plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> but, um, We're going to start calling them organic. Let's, let's, there we let's go. remove organic. shame from the- Ooh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Um, but I found his album and I saw the album cover and I noticed it was like a vibraphone. I was like, yo, I'm gonna listen to this. Like I've never seen somebody on the cover with a vibraphone and I played his song flying home and like, I fell in love. I was like, I, I need to be doing this. So in seventh grade, went to Whitney Young, shout out, should have been a dolphin. Um, they started a, (laughs) they started a jazz program. uh, (laughs) But they had, they had a jazz program. They had a jazz program. Uh, that you know nico also was a part of to get mm-hmm. back to that yeah. conversation as well as other people um it was just me <laughs> um but i i started there playing drum set at first um because it was really small it wasn't a lot of other percussionists and then my soft oh eighth grade in eighth grade i switched to vibraphone and ever since then it's been vibraphone so um what were you playing in the in the cso in the orchestra it was like all percussion like Mm -hmm. we started on drums and and then we moved to mallet instruments and like like i am a percussionist like you can give me any instrument and i'll be like oh this is like three different ways you can play this instrument it was really really intense we gotta get like some timpani drops yes yes that would be very hot that would be very (laughs) very hot i have yes yes definitely so um honestly i didn't really listen though to hip-hop until high school um when i started hanging out with these guys Uh, like you were the opposite i was the opposite (laughs) like my well my parents are older and we listened to a lot of gospel and soul and r&b and jazz growing up which was i mean really cool i appreciate that now that i'm older i'm like wow i had really good musical roots you know um was it like an explicitly anti-hip-hop thing because we've talked you've talked about that a little bit it was more so like it was like a content thing you know it was some hip-hop artists that they were cool with my my mom will smith can you know yeah yeah, we listened to will smith we (laughs) uh record 
I did have a bunch of little Bow Wow yeah. records. Bow Actually, Bow Wow was, Bow wow was like my hero. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bow Wow I and Romeo. So much in common. That first album, that yes. Beware the Dog album, yes. I was I was yes. real big on Bow Wow. By that second album, I had like I don't know. I guess the first drops of puberty were coming. Out. Like I can't. Uh, you wasn't walking I can't with be it. I was still Bow young wow enough, or I was still <laughs> rocking with Bow Wow for a minute. You know what I'm saying? I had like the little Romeo it, but DVD like, set movie. where it was like his music. Now we have to let's do it. You know what I'm let's saying? Because as a Bow Wow fan. I was really anti Romeo coming. Ooh. out. I thought it was a co-optation. Wow. Bow Wow had the Mickey you were Mouse thinking chain. About I mean, that I didn't young. have that that language, but I'm like, he's biting his style because oh, I knew Master real. P was like a marketer, Watching, right? Yeah. And so like JD gave Bow Wow the, the Mickey Mouse yeah. chain, and then he came. I got a Bugs Bunny right. chain. And it was just like that's real. He got braids now. You got braids. Hmm. It felt like I guess felt I like was... a Backstreet Boy in sync type thing. I think that's real. Did you also listen to them? Yeah, I listened to a lot of NSYNC. I was less of a fan of Backstreet Boys. Uh, Backstreet, Backstreet Boys was boy. very vanilla God. to me. You they know were first, though. They were first, but Justin Timberlake was cold. Like, <sighs> we're at odds. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be an interesting Interesting, album. right, right. <laughs> um, I think with Bow Wow and Romeo, I think I just appreciated <laughs> both. They just had different styles to me. You know, They were both like young male, black male rappers, mm-hmm. but they were just... In my opinion, they sounded very different. So yeah. I don't know. I think the important piece that we need to bring into this conversation <laughs> is the film like Mike. Ah, uh, mm. exactly. Which is a just a tremendous piece of American cinema. Because <laughs> yeah. then it's like Bow Wow at basketball. It was like, yeah, yo, Alan Iverson. Like this is they're talking about Michael Jordan. Like yeah. And yeah, then the, we're playing basketball a music video that came yeah. out with that. Yeah. Was, oh fire. my gosh! Yeah, they they, they took it to the street bar. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what a moment in time. What a Jermaine moment. Jermaine Dupri just basically like bit Curtis Blow's entire verse. Exactly. Like, it was like word exactly. for word. I'm like, is this? Yeah. This is another. Talk uh, about co-op. Yeah. Another mm. file. Another. In the JD, in your Jermaine Dupri, I do have <laughs> I do have Jermaine Dupri brief. I don't know if we have wow. time. Can you briefly state it? We've talked about it on the air before, but I think it's important. It, it goes back to the Confessions album. Mm. You know, I didn't really I, listen to a lot of Jermaine Dupri. So this is the Usher album. That oh, Usher, he produced Usher, that? yeah. Why did I? Not so know that? not only did he produce it, what? he wrote it all. Not only him and um Brian Michael Cox. Not only did he write it all, uh, it wasn't even based off Usher's life. It was based uh, off his life. That's what I want. That's the experience. I want a campaign. I've never wished we had a TV show more than right now. The look on your face. We we were all duped for ten years. I should didn't have a baby. It had nothing to do with him. This is Jermaine Dupri's ugly ass baby. We've been emotionally invested in. Confessions was such a good album. It was right, but it it was so good because it had that public celebrity uh, aspect of it. Because remember, Usher was in a relationship with Chili right. from TLC, <laughs> so everybody's like, "Yo, y'all broke up publicly." Yeah. They they were like casting girls in the video that kind of looked like Chili, and it made it seem like she they thought it was, finessed that. That's what I'm saying. They finessed. But I and just Jermaine Dupri got paid. Yeah, I feel like we just broke Thaddeus too. <laughs> that's, that's what I just want people to know. We've been what? lied to, people. We've and Jermaine Dupri. I, I just, I just have oh, some very man. ethical issues with that man. The that's you crazy. Know, you know, Damon and Ergo presenting a service. <laughs> right, right. We're here to educate. Damon for the people. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But anyway, the Bow Wow Records. Right, bad. right. So <laughs> I didn't really back listen to the, to the classical jazz. I didn't so. really listen to a lot of hip hop until uh, high school. I remember a distinct story because um, I will never forget this. I was mind blown. Um, 
in U.S. history, my sophomore year, I was in class with Vic Mensa, and we would talk a lot. And I really wasn't listening to a lot of music, and you know, he was out here like rapping, yeah. rapping, mm-hmm. rapping raps. Uh, and <laughs> he, he rapped more words in 2008 than any other person <laughs> ever, bro. He just had all the bars. Um, but I remember talking to him like, yeah, I want some music. Like, he's the person that first got me hip to Dilla. I was mm. like, yo, like, give me some other stuff. I kid you not, this man gave me 350 Slum Village songs, bro. <laughs> I was like, who is this? <laughs> and that changed everything. Like, I I appreciate that. It was a lot of music. I'm not about to lie. Like, I had a little iPod, you know, mini at the time. <laughs> I have no more space on that. Um, but... That was around the time where I actually started listening to like hip, and I, I'm not like what's on the radio commercial rap. I mean, like what a lot of people say, real hip hop. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how I'm missing the air quotes. Thank you for doing the air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how I feel about that argument particularly. It mirrors the argument of jazz. Yeah, right? I think in a lot of ways. I, I feel like, and that's what I would like to do as much as we can, you know, with mm-hmm. our time is like a lot of the ways we talk about and frame hip hop. Mm-hmm. What I learned is like, oh, these were the exact same things they right. were saying. Like that it's going to turn our kids right. like a youth on war, a war youth culture mm-hmm. and promotes drug use, mm-hmm. all of that, right? And then that there's real and then there's like mm-hmm. commercial mm-hmm. pop, you know. Yes. Whitewashing. In right. <laughs> right. So I want to, we can, we'll, we'll, we'll jump back to to that point but i want to kind of jump forward into the academy and, and use yeah. music in that in that context because i think that's kind of the next step of that trajectory mm-hmm. which is and, kind of worrisome I right think. and we were a couple of weeks ago we were talking with knowledge from kids in the hall who's also at northwestern yeah um, he he just started his phd, his PhD there. There. Yeah, that's dope. at this point we're basically just doing informational programs for the community right <laughs> right <laughs> but we we're talking kind of about like Obviously, there are folks doing really interesting, important work in the academy mm-hmm. around him. But it is there is this like, it's very easy for the corniness to be co-opted mm-hmm. into tenure track jobs, basically. Yeah. Um, that don't require much beside. I don't even have to do the full thing, but I right. think like j- the jazz studies move into the academy is like such an important thing in understanding how academia uh, co-ops and uh, strips the power away. Mm from musical cultural movement Mm. because it was something that was actually like a win Mm -hmm. it was fought for Mm -hmm. it was there were jazz studies departments before there were black studies departments Mm -hmm. and you know all kinds of other academic programs that now we talk about as being important they they were able to use the artistic framework as a way to like build those spaces in the academy but then you look now 45 years later um I don't know. I'm sure there's still people doing good stuff. You could tell me yeah, more definitely. than others, but like, where do you see, like, what do you think exists now that couldn't have existed without the Academy mm. bringing it in? And what do you think has been lost? Well, I do think one to start that like the beauty of jazz is that it's been able to bring together all different types of people. True. Like, like regardless of race, regardless of how, just regardless of how you identify mm-hmm. as a person, um, it's been able to kind of allow you to have the space to find your own voice. Mm-hmm. I think that what's interesting in the academy is that a lot of jazz um, studies programs mirror classical music programs mm-hmm. because in most cases, not all cases, but in most cases, um, 
Those are like the, the only two music departments. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it's like they're not taking into uh, jazz because jazz is not dead. It's not something that ha- that's just being conserved. It's not something that's just being replicated. It's a very mm-hmm. active thing, which means there's a cultural aspect of it that goes into learning and understanding jazz mm-hmm. that's absent in conservatories and academies right you're learning theory you're learning improvisation you probably will learn some history but you're not really learning like who were these uh who were these composers why did they do what they do what did this music really mean to them whereas in a lot of you know classical music situations it's about playing it exactly right, how it, how can you replicate and jazz is not meant to be replicated jazz should not be replicated because that's not what jazz is is mm-hmm. meant to be a, a constantly growing experience the good things though is that <clears throat> i think jazz and academic spaces did give it a sort of i hate to say it but extra legitimacy it it, it allowed certain people that typically would have brushed jazz off as just you know that street music or whatever to actually look at and say like oh this is something that people are studying at a collegiate level paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to do and then luckily you have you know organizations now throughout the nation like large organizations that are dedicated to making sure there are spaces for jazz performance um And I think those all work together in a really good way. But I do think the downside of that is that a lot of people graduate jazz programs and don't really understand the cultural significance, the political significance, the social significance and impact that jazz has had since the inception. And it also shows up in how you play, right? I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I always do the like comedy analogies, but like the part of your brain that recites is different from the part of your brain that like creates. creates. Exactly. And you can always tell when you someone's always reading tell. something versus we, performing something. We, yeah. we, we try our best to never play devil's advocate. So I want to make sure I'm not doing that mm-hmm. here. But when I hear the like, the and I, I heard you struggling with it, mm-hmm. but could it not be that like that added legitimacy? I think jazz is, was is, always legitimate. I think jazz is like one of the most brilliantly mm-hmm. constructed music forms ever. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so let's say that type of, let's say acceptance, right? Like institutional acceptance. Right. Could that, do you not see that as being like a harm to its actual cultural mm. roots and significance? Right. I, like the people that say this is street, this is like invalid mm. street music, should they even, like, should space be made for them to feel comfortable with this? I think that's something I. In other words, the play Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> um, so while I was in college, I actually, I, I did a lot of stuff. Um, but one thing that I did do was I was on our student right, right. Um, I was on our student government as our vice president of diversity and inclusion, which is a whole sounds like you were on a pamphlet that they. Ooh, I was on a lot or, of pamphlets. You feel me? Maybe um, twice. Maybe you were like on the left. It was. Or the right it was side. I was like part of like a multi-billion dollar campaign for the school where I was like going around like, yeah, I'm doing cool stuff at Northwestern. You know, you didn't get a degree in marketing. You got a degree in being marketed. So, <laughs> um, but that experience was really interesting because it forced me to think about are people that don't understand spaces or just write off under space write off certain spaces as illegitimate should they have 
a opportunity or presence in that space because on the one hand i have seen people say like man this is garbage and then they go there and they're like whoa this is not what i thought it was going to be like this is crazy and those type of moments are like yeah that's a, that's a win in some ways but then other times it's like they go into the space and kind of ruin the space because they'll make it about them because they'll make it about them or they'll try to force it to be what they you know think it should be instead of like vibing i know i use that word a lot <laughs> but it's just real to like how i feel about things it's organic you know what i'm saying <laughs> so if, if i get i want to go deeper into that because mm-hmm. I, I think uh we had uh drea smith on here mm-hmm. where her whole tag is like support your local vibe yeah yeah vibe. i just follow her on instagram yeah, and, and she was and she was very like intentional of, like not using the word and kind of the like cool twittery like mm-hmm. afro punk like right. uh, like how it's being diluted and mm-hmm. like get into like the actual like what's the word like, like the, how we're affected by the resonance the, li- the literal vibration which right? is crazy so i feel like when that, you see when you hear that word used how does it mean to you when i hear it used well for me like the vibes are just like that's how i operate like that's how i live i think in a lot of ways your instrument uh the instrument you play kind of is informed by your personality, but also informs your personality. Like, like I know a lot of trumpet players that are very like, you know, their presence is felt when they're in the room. Like it is undeniable, you know, like, or like piano players that are just very sensitive to touch and very, you know, very like outside of performance, outside of performance, like their actual with me. I'm all about vibes. Like I'm all about like, I I walk into a room and I just sit and I'm like, how do I feel? Like, what am I noticing? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? I'm never trying to... And then I respond to that. You know what I mean? Like, if I feel like I'm getting good vibes, then obviously I'm going to put out good vibes. If I feel like I'm getting negative vibes, I might not be negative back, but I, I'm, I'm going to be a little distant. Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel like there are natural vibrations and natural wavelengths, ugh, wavelengths that people operate on. Mm-hmm. Um and so for me, it's about like can you, understand. Mm-hmm. Can you teach me what a wavelength is? Because I think I like I could see it as a picture, but I don't really know mm-hmm. what that means in practice. So this is how I think about it. So the vibraphone is called as such because there is a motor uh, attached to the instrument. Uh, the bars are made of metal. There are resonator pipes that come down from the bars, and then there's like a a, a rotor in those pipes so when you turn on the motor you get like a want 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 sound so have you ever seen like uh like a like a a, um what's it called the thing they use yeah like like a heartbeat yeah like a heartbeat type that's like the it's the audio representation of that of that want want, like it's like it sounds you you it's have you ever heard like the alien sound on like certain TV shows or it's like mm-hmm. they're on outer space and you hear this really high pitched thing mm-hmm. that's spinning really fast? Mm-hmm. That's a vibraphone, like that type of thing. So when I say We're gonna tweet out a diagram, <laughs> right? Basically, sorry to get so technical. I'm trying to learn, <laughs> but when I say wavelength, that's my kind of representation of wavelength. Mm-hmm. Like everybody is kind, I can't necessarily see it, but it's a very natural thing of everybody's constantly emitting these sort of like mm-hmm. waves and how they move and how they just the fact that like you speaking is like a natural vibration and the mm-hmm. air molecules are literally, you know, right. traveling like and in a wave through like the air. Off of each other, exactly. Right? right. And I feel like there is 
um, to some extent, like your aura. Like I, I'm not someone that can say like I can see auras and read them. And like, no, blah, blah, blah. we'll go down but, this path with you if you want. No, to shout out. Right. We're, we're down. It is 420. Shout out to all the people off the loud right now. <laughs> right. Hey, I, hey, I think I see you. Right, I, I think, think I see. <laughs> I think I see the waves. <laughs> but I do think there is like a natural aura that everybody kind of has as they move through a space. And the way I operate is, I my first inclination is to understand your aura and see mm-hmm. where we collide, where we agree. And then from there, like it becomes, at least for me, it becomes very easy to maneuver that relationship mm-hmm. because it's just like, okay, I know that I can do this, but this thing, we're just going to clash. Or for some reason, this person makes me a little uneasy yeah. and I'm not sure why. And then as we talk, it's like, oh. It's basically Got listening, it. right? Like basically yeah. what you're describing is, and it, beyond just with your ears, right. it's basically like listening to the other person, listening yeah. to the, what they're putting out and then reacting to it the same way you would if you were like improvising. With exactly. Especially with my instrument, because yeah. like it's so sensitive to touch. Like it's crazy. Vibraphone is a, is a very, you know, physical instrument. It's kind of aggressive in a lot of ways because I'm physically hitting something, but you know, depending on how I touch it I have to yeah it's very delicate and when I put the vibrato on now it's a whole different layer of like I can like play a role with my wrist but have the vibrato at a different speed and now you're getting like crazy Mm -hmm. like waves that it's it's like it's so cool to experiment with (laughs) um so in using that skill and that mm -hmm. ability to to kind of sense things that and you talked about doing a lot of stuff in college yeah and and whether it's in leadership roles or um you know I, I know you in terms of leading groups, uh, like student groups, but also right. musical groups. Right. Do you feel like that is one of the more central skills? Like, like how does mm. that come into the non-musical spaces that you've managed to like move through so successfully? I think for me, it's just about, which goes back to jazz, which is why I feel like the vibes are always rooted in jazz. And that's why I named my first jazz album Vibes, because it's, it's so to the point and i think it goes back to this idea in jazz of improvising which says what do you have in front of you and how can you make it better Mm. and i think that that idea of like going into a space and feeling it out and seeing what's happening and seeing what how everybody is operating and then being able to use that information to say okay this is how we can make this team work to get to this goal that we all want to reach i think has been one of my uh, a way that I've seen that used in every kind of space. It's like that a I've good gone organizer to. model. Yeah, yeah, like, right. like organizers. Yeah. Right. Um, so why don't we take a uh, a second and hear something off of that project vibes? This is uh, Bags Groove. That is by Milt Jackson. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ice my my hamstrings from that <laughs> sprint from the three miles away. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Ergo WHBK ErgoRadio.com. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
That was Bags Groove, a, uh, a Milt Jackson joint. It was here, a Milt Jackson <laughs> joint. <laughs> performed by Thaddeus Tooks uh, here on Ergo WHBK, Ergo Radio. Uh, dot com so that came out <laughs> <laughs> I got very like jazz radio <laughs> that was right that was Thaddeus Tooks on the phone Thaddeus Tooks yeah. there you go <laughs> <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil <laughs> Shep I'm coming for your job <laughs> <laughs> um, but HTTP slash slash right right radio dot com we were talking a little bit earlier in the episode about kind of that entry point in high school in mm-hmm. the relationships you mentioned with Vic but I, I want to talk a little bit about the relationship with Nico yeah. Seagal because I think probably the thing that you get asked the most about I would imagine in interviews is the relationship to the surf record yeah. and the past the vibes track which closed that album out which I think will also close the episode oh um, beautiful yeah look very beautiful right there but um, I'm just curious because he's kind of this enigmatic yeah, figure perfect word <laughs> how would you uh how would you describe him and how would you describe whether it's musically or just personality wise mm. y'all's relationship uh nico is just like the homie like i don't <laughs> i don't know another way to really say it um musically we've always pushed each other he he would give me records i would give him some stuff to check out um just to be better musicians to be listening to stuff more actively um i think when we're in performance spaces together we even now we're still very in tune with each other's sound and kind of in tune with each other's cues and things so it's it's really cool honestly to perform with him but really we all kind of started learning jazz in an intense level together like me him uh do I want to name a hey, bunch of people? Shout out. Uh, shout out. There was Julian Reed, uh, Everett Reed, Liam Cunningham. Uh, ooh, Charlie Stanton, Zach Stewart, and then Camila Muhammad and Julius Tucker, who are like two of my best friends in the world. Um, you can consider the shout outs. Yeah. Right, right. Shout out all of them. Um, so uh, it was a lot of us that kind of learned jazz very intensely at Whitney Young under Mr. Lanzino. Uh, and then, you know, they graduated, you know, they did Kids These Days for a while, Kids These Days um, separated, and then he started doing social experiment stuff. I was at college, you know, this whole time, right. like just playing my vibraphone. <laughs> um, and then he hit me up. Uh, I guess it was, it had to be early, early 2014. Or late 2014, late 2014, because I had just had my first apartment in Northwestern and I was like living life. I was so happy, you know, Um, and we were just talking and I sent him. I had just done a mixtape. We're not going to talk about my old mixtapes, but I do have mixtapes where were you rapping? I was rapping. I I thought I had some bars. You know what I mean? (laughs) Did you have a rapper name or did you just? No, it was Thaddeus Tooks. I feel like that's just just, a good ass. Yeah, I was going to say that's like a unique enough name in itself. But um, I was producing too, and I was like heavily incorporating the vibes into my Mm. beats and everything. And it was very, very jazz based. You know, Mm. like I was, I was sampling my own jazz songs. Some stuff. That's the most hip hop uh, thing I've ever. Yes, <laughs> actually. So um, I sent him that, and uh, then a little later, he hit me back like, "Yeah, I got a song. Um, I want you to record on. Like, uh, I'm gonna shoot it your way. You know, whatever you're hearing, put it on here. I didn't know what it was gonna be on. I didn't know how he was gonna release it. I didn't know none of that. So I was just like, "All right, word. I'll record this for you. Like, sure. Um, and this was like 
around the time Sunday Candy dropped. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, he's clearly working on something. Like, this is obviously very strategic. So I recorded on Passive Vibes. He sent me the song. It was called Passive Vibes. I was like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) And then I listened to it. I was like, yo, this song is like made specifically for vibraphone you know (laughs) um and i'm sure he knows how the vibraphone is but he called me which was really cool so uh we recorded that and then i didn't hear anything from him i didn't hear any fight like nothing and then surf drops i was literally at yeah right you didn't hear nothing i didn't hear anything i didn't i didn't know what the album was gonna be i got a contract saying like yeah we're gonna do an album and we're using one of your songs and it's called surf and it's you know donnie trumpet and the social experiment whatever Mm -hmm. but i didn't know like buster rhymes was gonna be on it you know what i mean like it's just like what (laughs) um and so i listened to the whole album And then it ends with people. past, yeah, right. That'd be, that'd be like, like I come up for Ergo one day, and it's just you and Buster Rhymes. <laughs> yeah, Buster like, Rhymes, a surprise Buster Rhymes appearance in any context is crazy. Like crazy, exactly, <laughs> exactly. We, he de- he deserves his own segment on the show. I don't think we have time for it now. He is maybe the most consistently. He's had like the most consistent long career in hip hop that yeah. has been like good. Yeah, I would put that out. He's been around since like '89. Yeah. <laughs> people love yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. people still didn't rock start, with like, Buster Rhymes. Kind of corny until like two, three years ago, and yeah. he like has embraced his corniness also. Yeah. And it's he got just the fat like, head. All right, we got we got <laughs> we got to bring it. In. We got to bring it. But um, yeah, so then Surf dropped, and I was like, wow, like this is this is a, quite a project to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and then you know, life has just been very interesting since then. And I definitely the coolest thing in the world is like being places, and we're talking about music, and either. I I'll tell somebody I play vibraphone and they'll be like, whoa, have you ever heard this song? Passive Vibes is my favorite song. Or they'll just <laughs> bring like, it up well, out of nowhere. Once right, right. <laughs> I'll be like, well, actually. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's definitely all love there. Um, mm. it, it, uh, I appreciate the fact that he still is a lover of jazz. Not to say that, you know, he was expected to not be, but there are a lot of people that do play music in other industries and really... Um, don't listen to jazz anymore they you know they don't participate in jazz anymore and i know that he's an active listener um and you know participant really in jazz still Mm. um and i think that's good for the culture and for the movement like a lot of people ask me when i dropped a jazz album like why'd you do a jazz album like why aren't you rapping why aren't you making beats but for me i still think that to this day jazz is like the most important art form in existence just because of everything you learn from studying it the hit is like american history black history like everything is in jazz and like if you understand jazz and if you understand the culture and history of jazz life just makes so much more sense all about all american popular culture everything you know even the way like advertising and movies exactly. start to co-op jazz and jazz concert or even like the word cool exactly right? like, exactly like or even a, like the move from like the underground music that becomes mainstream mm-hmm. that then it's questions of legit you know what i mean like yeah. all of that is just found in jazz and that's why i thought i mean besides the fact that like i studied jazz and kind of pioneered a jazz vibraphone program in northwestern and kind of in the there were another country. air quotes on pioneer for I, people I, because <laughs> pioneer is just such a weird word for me that's a loaded term but it's accurate <laughs> but truth <laughs> but um that's why i wanted to do a jazz vibraphone album you know as my first musical introduction to the world i want to talk to you a little bit actually about that scholarship stuff because yeah. i know 
you, you mentioned that being something that you led there and you also did a, you weren't just in the music program right. also on the journalism side. Right, right. And I know that that, it, as you've continued your, your, your study, mm-hmm. you're not doing some stuff around. You want to just like, just real quick, give a rundown of like what you're doing so that then I can ask you questions. Word. <laughs> so, um, right now I am fully focused on building my music career. Um, journalism is included in that journalism is less of a focus for me Mm. personally because uh, I'm finding that there are still aspects of the music that I want to know more about Mm. before I feel completely comfortable 100% like full force being a journalist and writing about this music and sharing it i'm still doing that i'm still writing about it i know enough where i can still have a legitimate voice um but i'm definitely a lot more focused i mean at the end of the day also i want to play my vibraphone like that's that's what i want to do um but that that question of legitimacy is so interesting right because you feel like you have the legitimacy to make it, but not necessarily to talk about it and document it. And in this particular case, it's a personal thing. It's not that I think anybody else would look at me and say, I don't know what I'm talking about. It's more so of like, I, I want to learn a little, there are still gaps in what I understand about the, the whole history of the music. So that, you know, once I'm actually like, if I full time, right, I can say like, I, I, I have we can talk in depth about like yeah. the entire lineage of jazz. We talk a lot about uh you know documentation and participation, right? Mm-hmm. So the participant documentarian. Mm-hmm. Um and, and are you interested in it at all uh because it's not really comfortable to do writing about mm-hmm. your own work and your own position mm. in, in the music, right? Like does it have to be covering other histories or covering other people's work that's a very interesting question instead of like outsourcing that of like here i'm gonna put this out right someone else the power to frame and i think that was like a big issue i ran into with um not issue but just personal um battle that i ran Mm -hmm. into with like my journalism experience is that Mm -hmm. journalism is very much centered around telling other people's stories like you're very much kind of encouraged to not really insert yourself or talk about yourself you're more of a narrator um but in a lot of cases like stuff that i was doing was like the best example of what i wanted to write about i know that might sound a little crazy but like it was i know exactly it was it was like this this is like a good example not only because of what i'm playing for example but the the musicians around me and what they're doing and i have to insert myself and I'm doing that in my own personal writings and stories that are going to be coming out soon because Another I have organic fuck. Yeah, uh, I have I have the flexibility and and people are trusting me to do that. Um, but in in other ways, I think that my musical career, the beauty, the best thing for me about going to college was it gave me plans or gave me time to just write a lot of music, record a lot of music and actually plan like this is how I want to roll it out, like ideally in this many years. So I think that as my music career continues and people see it, a lot of those connections are going to be organically made through my albums and mm-hmm. through 
other things associated with it. So you made like like a big long term plan. <laughs> oh yeah, Are you to it? I got like albums ready. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I mean, it's all about like improvising, like whatever right, comes what, towards me. That's you know, what was so surprising about hearing you say that is you talked about jazz being a lifestyle, and then you talk about like having albums planned out moving forward. Because I think that's how you approach it. You already have, you always have a plan. You always go into something like, this is kind of my object. Because if you don't have an objective, then what do you like? Yeah. You, you're going to just be wavering all the time. You might not actually accomplish anything. You'll just be kind of so going. When you, yeah. When you talk about that objective, like let's, let's, let's what is my idea. objective? What, what do you, what's the, what's the end of this, of this huge life mm, plan? Well, whoo, I'll say this. For me, music, music movements and cultural movements go together. Mm -hmm. So anything I do with music, to some extent, I'm going to back up out in these streets, mm -hmm. whether that's whether that's organizing, whether that's being a part of a larger movement, whether that's working with organizations who are are advocating for certain you know to, yeah, yeah whatever um for me it's necessary that though both of those happen because if if you're only making music and you're not doing nothing then what are you really doing but also that music is a crucial piece as we're seeing um to getting people hip to issues and like we've seen that throughout history you know what i'm saying like getting helping people understand what's happening and being being songs that people can sing while they're marching you know yeah. um so i will say that at the end of this long journey you if if things go as i hope they do um you will see a very successful case of somebody who said they were about it and were actually about it mm. Mm. that was that was perfect <laughs> that, that, that's that's what this show is all about so i have a proposal guys mm -hmm. we, got, we got 5 minutes left mm -hmm. we can either play a game okay or i can ask a theoretical question. <laughs> we can't do both. We can't. I mean, I feel like let's do the game first. And let's do the, the game first, and, and then see if, we, see if we right. have time for the. All right, very important game. Okay, uh, it's actually it's actually the foundation of the show. <laughs> it's the cornerstone. <laughs> so as, as often as we can, uh, we like to bring accountability to cool. the forefront here. Okay, um, and I feel like there's a, a sect of the world that's just run amok, mm. and there's been no accountability, <laughs> uh, and th and that is R and B singers. Uh <laughs> And I know you are you are in like uh, adjacent R and B adjacent, <laughs> so maybe you may have a, some mm. insight. Uh, but every week we start beef with the R and B singer, or we oh, try to, no. right? Okay. So you think about it in hip hop. If you do something like you know Meek Mill gets on Twitter and starts tweaking, a few days later there's a song out, right? And not to like uplift uh. Drake, but that's immediate yeah, accountability, that's right? Real. Right? R and B yeah. singers, not so much. You know, I, I'm just seeing, mm. so, I'm seeing like a you know a corrosion. Mm. So throughout the history, you can mm -hmm. go from. I always say from David Ruffin to like mm. Tory Lanez. No Ooh. one's ever taken me up on the David Ruffin thing. No, because David Ruffin is like, man. All right, we, all right. I all know right. you want to leave, but he was uh, abusive. But all he right. was. All right, he was. Beef with R&B singer. You're on the spot. It's important. Mm, Ooh, this is so difficult. So <laughs> somebody's gonna be mad somewhere. Um, beef with an R&B singer. And it could be based on their music. It could be based on their clothes. It could be based on their life. You know, go for I it. think I'm gonna have to go with Lionel Richie. Ooh, good this one. This is a new one. Great one. One Tell he me. had. He had uh, that had low music video is kind of creepy. <laughs> like, have you ever watched yeah, that? Like yeah, he's yeah. like sing. He's like singing to his high school student who's blind and like <laughs> is at her house looking through the window. Like, yeah. come on, dude. That's a little weird. 
Um, so she's blind and looking through the window. <laughs> well, he's looking. She's blind, like living her life, and he's like watching her outside. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Um, and then too, like, I don't know, man. I just never been a real fan of his music. I mean, hey, Lionel Richie, if you're listening and you're a great person, shout out he's to you. Like but a, a poster child and an advocate of like post racial. Yeah, um, he's very. He, I'm just not a fan. He's very color colorblind. Very <laughs> very colorblind and just like kind of creepy like yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, yeah. summed about his his vibe makes me uncomfortable and i've never like <laughs> met him in real life you know just <laughs> watching you, him i'm just like <laughs> i don't know how long i could talk to you, you know what I'm saying? that's excellent we don't have time we don't have time question. for the theory you'll have to come back next <laughs> right <week>. theories <laughs> on lionel richie <laughs> we continue come back next week for the theory thank you so much for thank being you here. for it's having me appreciate it with you where can folks find your music right. what are you on coming up that so look out for Monday, May 8th, I'm doing the Jazzy Monday series at the Carruthers Center, uh, and it's going to feature Sherry Scott, who is a former lead singer to Earth, Wind & Fire. True. Um, on Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday, April, what is that, 25th, I believe, yeah. I'm going to be on a panel uh, for Jazz Education Day, sponsored by the Jazz Institute of Chicago, where I'll be talking about um, basically where is jazz in today's media and how can we... Uh, find ways to essentially connect, you know, jazz musicians and and jazz venues with our social media hungry uh, young generation, like mm-hmm. people my age and younger, and some older too. Um, and that's going to be at the Cultural Center at I believe. 4.30? 4, 4 or 4.30. I say just get there at 4 there and if four. it starts at 4.30. Get there 30, at 3.45 if you park. Right, right. We can't, yeah, for real. Get there like <laughs> 2 for parking. <laughs> um, and then my music, Daddy Soup's Vibes, is available on Apple Music and Tidal. Ooh. And there's an EP. You get more money for Tidal, right? Well, I did it as like a little personal social experiment because I feel like everybody talks <laughs> about... Experiment. I know, that was natural. No that was no fun attending. Another organic. <laughs> um, but I feel like everybody talks about streaming wars and I wanted to like see for myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's an EP version on SoundCloud if ah, you want to check it people. out. For the people. <laughs> One time, Thaddeus is always for the people. So. <laughs> Thank you again. We'll be back next week uh, with another Stronger Voice from Chicago and... Beyond. Beyond. Don't forget about the beyond. Don't you ever forget. Here go radio, WHBK. Much love to the people. Peace. Peace.